Lecture topic. Lighting the lamp of love. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazeen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu man yarutadda minkum a'indinihi fasawfa ya'tillahu biqawmin yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunah yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu adillatin ala almu'minin a'izzatin ala alkafirin yujahiduna fi sabilillahi wa la yakhafuna lawmatalaim ذلك فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء والله واسع عليم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارزقني حبك وحب من ينفعني حبه عندك او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected mothers and sisters Allah Ta'ala has created us as insan, as Ashraful Makhluqat, the greatest of Allah Ta'ala's creation. Allah Ta'ala has infused the soul and ruh in us. And as human beings, we have numerous emotions, feelings. As insan, a person feels happy, feels sad. He sometimes feels very elated, sometimes grieved. There are times when something drives him out of love, sometimes fear. And all these various emotions are in this insan and have various different effects on him. If a person is very, very afraid all the time, that has an effect of making a person very, very insecure and very unsettled. person is forever looking behind their back, can't seem to get anything done because of the emotion of fear. The emotion of fear makes a person very, very uh, hesitant to do anything because that fear becomes an obstacle in everything. Just as that fear becomes an issue, there is an emotion that Allah Ta'ala has placed in insan which is inborn and gets expressed from the very childhood days and that is the emotion of love. This is a part of this insan's nature, the nature of this human being that he has the emotion of love in him. And from a very young age, early days of life, this gets expressed in various ways. This is a very, very great emotion that Allah Ta'ala has instilled in this human being. But as time goes, first that child is very attached to one thing or the other, expresses that emotion of love for the parent, for the mother, for the others in the family, and for things. And as time goes, this grows and starts expressing itself in different ways. Then somebody starts becoming deeply attached to the material things of dunya. Somebody's love is expressed in the form of having all the best of the comforts and luxuries of dunya, have exotic holidays, 
have the most flashy things and things that they can boast with. This becomes the love that people start expressing for things. And there is never a point that people can get satiated. This just goes on and on. So some express their love in this manner. The emotion of love gets uh, directs them in terms of these things. But there are those who, this love that they have, this emotion of love in their hearts, this directs them towards Allah Ta'ala. The love for Allah Ta'ala develops in their hearts. And when this emotion of love is directed in this direction, that the love of Allah Ta'ala has settled in the heart, and that emotion is now driving a person towards getting even closer to Allah Ta'ala, becoming beloved to Allah Ta'ala, then this takes a person very far ahead. This is what we have to develop. We look into the lives of the Sahaba Ikram. It was this love for Allah and His Rasul that drove them to the heights that they reached. And thereafter in every era, it was this love of Allah and His Rasul the love of Deen, that was the driving force in the lives of the Ahlullah, the pious personalities, those who strove for Deen, the Muballigheen, the Mujahideen, the Mufassireen, the Muhaddithin, the Fuqaha, the unimaginable efforts that they made, the time that they spent in serving Deen, the kind of sacrifices they undertook in order to pass on the Deen to others, all this was driven by love. And this is that emotion of love that we have to direct now, that how to acquire this love of Allah Ta'ala in our hearts, and what this will do for us. This love of Allah Ta'ala is not just something abstract. It is not just something that is an imaginary thing. It is a reality. It is something that will make a world of difference for a person in this world and will make a greater world of difference for a person in the Akhirat. So therefore, we need to understand what will this love do for us? What is this love of Allah Ta'ala all about? What are the benefits of this love? So these few things, in this, few, in this short time that we have, the few things that we will discuss, may Allah Ta'ala make it a means of our hearts being inspired with the love of Allah Ta'ala. May Allah Ta'ala make it a means of us get, getting closer to Him and our quest being that how we can increase this love of Allah Ta'ala and become His true lovers in every sense of the word and how we can become beloved to Allah Ta'ala. As far as, if you call it the benefits of this love of Allah Ta'ala, the first thing is that this is the nourishment of the soul, the heart, the soul. This love of Allah Ta'ala is the nourishment. This is what this heart survives on. Now one is the physical survival. The physical survival will survive on physical means, but there is something more than that. When a person, if his eye is paining, he can't see, the eye suddenly starts becoming blurred. Allah Ta'ala protect us. People have various ailments of the eye and suddenly now there's a problem. person is in great turmoil. The life of the person becomes difficult and so many issues stem as a result of the eye not now functioning correctly. Because the eye doesn't have its health. If the ear is not functioning, the person can't hear properly, that now 
causes the whole body to pain, the whole body to be restless, it causes anxiety and so many difficulties. People then resort to so many different means to try and uh, compensate for that with the best hearing, hearing aids, etc. But it's never something that can replace what Allah Ta'ala has provided. So in any case, that creates difficulty for the whole body. Now can we imagine, this is one limb, small limb of the body, the eye itself, which is not interrelated with every other part of the body. Likewise, the ear, the ear is one organ of the body, which is not linked and interrelated with every other part of the body, in the sense that its function affects other parts of the body. If a person is blind, it's a difficulty, but his hands will function normally. The hands won't be affected, the function of the hands won't be affected because of the blindness. Or the person is deaf, this doesn't mean now that he is functioning, function of his tongue, that he can't taste, he can't speak. The tongue will function normally. Yes, he'll have the difficulty of not being able to hear, etc. But the heart is such an organ that the function of the heart, every other part of the body is dependent on the heart functioning correctly. If the eye doesn't function correctly, the other parts of the body don't get affected in their function. But the heart doesn't function correctly, everything is in problem. That is why when a person has a heart attack, now the heart, something happened with the heart, but the whole body is now in severe ailment, the person can't walk, he sometimes can't talk, he can't eat, he can't do anything. The same thing applies here to the spiritual heart, that if the spiritual heart is not being nourished with the love of Allah Ta'ala, this is what it needs, then it is going to affect the whole life of a person. But that is where the whole issue is, that it is like a person who is suffering some ailment, but doesn't realize what is the ailment. And he can't understand it, he can't diagnose it, and he's just going past things. So the, the problems will be there, the suffering will be there, but he doesn't even sometimes know what is going on. And sometimes, Allah forbid, the most severe situation is, the person starts thinking the suffering to be enjoyment. In the sense that, for example, a person is uh, severely diabetic. So now, he is taking, he is eating something extremely sweet. So he is thinking that this is the best enjoyment. But what is that doing to his health? That he is spiking his sugar to such a point, from one, he is already at sitting at 15 and now he is eating something severely sweet, uh, very sweet, what it will do to him, and where he will finish off, but he is regarding this as an enjoyment, now that is a greater tragedy. The same happens unfortunately here, that the love of Allah Ta'ala is absent from the heart, now there are so many ailments that result as out of this, but the person either doesn't understand that this is an ailment, or worse still, thinks that this can't be better, person is getting caught up in so many sins, getting caught up in all kinds of evil and vice, and the person thinks this is the best enjoyment. But that enjoyment is just like that sweet item on the tongue, but as soon as it's going to roll down the throat, it's already going to start spiking the sugar. In fact, from the tongue, it's going to start spiking the sugar already. And the end result is going to be very, very serious, sometimes fatal. So this is what we have to understand, that this love of Allah Ta'ala, this is the nourishment of the heart. In the one dua, Rasulullah Sallallahu made this dua: "Allahumma rzuqni hubbak." Ya Allah, urzuqni. This word is something we can already start 
understanding it because the word is so commonly used, rizq. So this is from the same root. Allahumma rizqni. Ya Allah grant me the rizq of what? Hubbak, of your love. Now love is in the heart. In other words, the rizq of the heart is love. Like the rizq of the stomach is food. That if a person eats food, then the stomach will be nourished, then that nourishment will move to the other parts of the body. The risk of the heart, of the spiritual heart, is love. Now, either that love will be expressed correctly, then it will be a bigger disaster. But if that, uh, incorrectly, it will be a bigger disaster. But if it's expressed correctly, the heart now will be nourished. And that nourishment now will then permeate every bit of the body. Then the eyes will be in the in doing what Allah Ta'ala loves. The ears will be listening to what Allah Ta'ala loves. The hands and feet will move in the direction of what Allah Ta'ala loves. Otherwise, there will be a disaster in everything. This is the first most important thing, that this love is the very nourishment of the heart. And without this nourishment, then there's a problem in every bit of a person's life. But dunya is after all a test. It doesn't become apparent so quickly and so obviously but the moment the person's eyes close, then, then it is very open and dramatic to him. He will understand it and see it clearly. Allah Ta'ala protect us from such a situation that we only realize when our eyes close. And many a times the person realizes in dunya, this is the topic of Allah Ta'ala, that some realization comes in dunya. So the first very great benefit is that this heart gets its nourishment. And when this heart gets its nourishment, it will be at peace with Allah Ta'ala in all the various situations of life. So this brings us in fact to the next very great benefit of this love of Allah Ta'ala. What is this very great benefit? There is one Persian saying which sums up this that as muhabbat talkhaha shiri shawad What this literally means is that it is with love that bitter things become sweet. As muhabbat talkhaha shiri shawad. Love makes bitter things sweet. Now bitter meaning, in a sense it's bitter, on the surface it's bitter. For example, a very very simple example that any mother can understand, that to wake up in the middle of the night, it might be a cold wintry night, to disturb one's sleep, and in that part of the night, to attend to somebody and be cleaning someone, some child, washing some child, is this something in itself sweet? No, it's bitter in a sense. It's a difficulty that now person must, must have been very tired the whole day and now barely got to sleep on two hours and now in the midst of that sleep, that child has, either the child is ill or whatever, so the child has now brought up and the whole the child's body is all messed with the vomit and the bedding is messed and whatever else. Now that mother wakes up, breaks her sleep, she does whatever she has to do and takes care of the child in the best possible manner and makes the child comfortable. What drives that mother to do that? Supposing we just saw out of the blue somebody running in, some lady came in and we were somewhere, we don't know who she is and she's covered in vomit from head to toe. And she says, please clean me up. There will be many who would decline to do this, even they are paid to do it too. Say, look, I can't manage it, please, it's something beyond me. So I'm feeling already nauseous. I, 
I just can't handle it, please excuse me. Uh, there's a bathroom there or something. You can't handle it, why? Whatever the reasons are. But one's own child, it becomes not just uh, possible, it becomes very easy. And in the difficulty also, the fact that the mother now, in her heart, she's understanding that she's comforting the child, she's putting the child to rest and at ease, that makes this whole bitter task actually sweet. So likewise, this dunya, this dunya has many, so to say, bitter occurrences, meaning tests, trials of various natures, but when a person has this love in him, this love of Allah Ta'ala, and his heart is attached to Allah Ta'ala, those things become small. Imagine a person, he has a very valuable diamond, he's bought something somewhere, the diamond is worth 5 million rands, and now he's got it in his pocket, or however he's kept it somewhere, Allah forbid somewhere en route he got hijacked, and now they stole everything from him, they stole his phone, and stole his wallet, and stole whatever, stole his shoes also, but somehow they didn't find the diamond, they left the diamond, and they disappeared. Now, after they've disappeared and this person now realizes, okay, he's safe now, what comes out from his heart? Ask his heart, he'll be saying, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah is not because things got stolen. He's not focusing on that anymore. What got stolen is gone very small to him because something extremely valuable is still safe. That diamond got saved. So his whole mind and heart is focused towards what got saved rather than what got stolen, what disappeared. One great buzrug was once sitting, he was a pious person and a very big merchant as well. So somebody came and told him that those ships that were coming, all his ships laden with all the goods, the ship sank. So he kept quiet for a moment and he said, Alhamdulillah. So nobody said anything because they didn't have the, uh, they didn't feel it etiquette now to say anything right now or ask anything. They kept quiet. Any case, then he continued with whatever discussion was there. After some time, again, somebody came and they gave the news, no, no, that message was wrong. That ship didn't sink. It's actually coming safely. So after a moment of silence, again he said, Alhamdulillah. Now somebody thought, I must ask. So he asked, but oh, this is strange. First time round, that to Alhamdulillah. Second time round, that to Alhamdulillah. One time was a big, was a message of a loss. This time, message of everything fine, but both times, Alhamdulillah. So he said, neither on the first occasion, I said, Alhamdulillah, on that, that this ship sank. And neither on the second occasion, I made Alhamdulillah on the fact that it didn't sink. My Alhamdulillah was something beyond that. The first time when the message came that this sank, I looked in my heart, that this, did this affect my relationship with Allah Ta'ala? Alhamdulillah, it hadn't. I was still content with whatever Allah Ta'ala had decreed. So I said, Alhamdulillah upon that. And the second time when I was told that it has been saved, it didn't sink, my mind went somewhere else, and I checked within my heart, that Alhamdulillah, this didn't affect my love for the dunya. That well, okay, this dunya now is coming, so my attachment to the dunya increased in some way. That attachment with Allah Ta'ala remains still constant. So that was what I was saying, Alhamdulillah, on. I was checking my iman. Now he said he'd exposed it for the sake of the benefit of those who were now learning from him. But the point here is that it was his heart's attachment to Allah Ta'ala and the love being filled in there that made it easy to focus correctly. And it didn't affect his 
composure, his demeanor, it didn't make him lose sight of what the realities are. This is what this love does, that when this true love comes in the heart, and the person's heart gets attached to Allah wa ta'ala, then the other things become small. When the Prophet went to Taif, the incident is well known to us. We, inshallah, are hearing it from time to time in the talim of the fazail amal that takes place in our homes. This is a well known incident, but just the one point in it, that after Rasulullah left the town, and how he left, the condition he left in is known, that Allah Ta'ala uh, grant him the highest stages and the choicest rewards, what kind of difficulty he underwent for the ummah at that time, and was torn to such an extent, that his shoes were clogged to his feet with blood. And in that, Nabi Islam then turned to Allah Ta'ala in dua, the one line of that dua is, إِلَّمْ تَكُنْ عَلَيَّ سَاخِطًا فَلَا أُبَالِي بِهِ That, Ya Allah, if you are not displeased with me, then this doesn't really concern me in any way. What has happened to me doesn't concern me. As long as you are happy, as long as you are pleased with me, then all these things are minor, these things are trivial, they can be bypassed. Now can we imagine what a situation? Nabi Islam walked over a few miles in that condition that he was being stoned. Can you imagine one after the other stones being rained upon somebody and that pain, that hurt and then bleeding almost from head to toe, shoes clogged to the feet with blood. And in that condition Nabi Islam is saying, إِلَّمْ تَكُنْ سَاخِطًا عَلَيَّ فَلَا أُبَالِي Allah, if you are pleased with me, you are not unhappy. Then all these things don't mean anything to me. This is all small and minor. As long as you are happy, that is everything. Now this we can't compare to that mujahada of Rasulullah even one iota, one minute fraction we can't compare to it. But the same benefit inshallah we will get if we inculcate the love of Allah Ta'ala, then in our challenges of life, and life is full of challenges, nobody is without challenges, but our focus will be correct. And that those challenges will become small, those challenges will become minor, because the heart is filled with the love of Allah Ta'ala then the person will focus correctly. The person will stop focusing towards the makhluk and turn their attention towards khaliq. And like a person, somebody has troubled him tremendously, caused him a lot of grief, a lot of pain. He comes maybe home and then at home there's somebody to really comfort him, give him that solace, give him that support and give him that emotional uh, comfort and he forgets all those challenges outside because he came back home to such a warm welcome came back home to such a kind of uh, support and courage and strength that he's getting from those who are there to support him and that solace and comfort that he's been given and the warmth and love that he's receiving makes him forget everything. Tomorrow he'll go out again, he'll face the challenges again. But in that moment he forgot everything. Likewise when the heart is with Allah Ta'ala and the heart is filled with the love of Allah Ta'ala then all these challenges become small, they become insignificant as insan, we feel the pain, we feel disappointment, we feel some grief, we feel all these emotions. But it will all be masked. Like that person, tomorrow he knows, he's going to go back out there, those people are there still to cause the same difficulties to him. But for now, he's at home, he's getting the comfort, the solace, the peace, the happiness, the warmth, the love, that now masks all that, what will happen tomorrow will happen tomorrow. Likewise, the heart gets masked with the love of Allah Ta'ala, and the pain and sorrow and grief, all this becomes, it fades to the background. This is the great important aspect of the love of Allah Ta'ala. 
And that's what we have to now start inculcating in our lives, that this is what will help us through all the challenges of life. And it will make the difficulties of life become easy. Those who Allah Ta'ala blesses with this very deep love, they actually taste a kind of sweetness in the difficulties also. Because they look at it coming from Allah Ta'ala alone. But Allah Ta'ala is the control of the universe, and Allah Ta'ala alone is the one that does. So therefore all these things also become small to them, and they become engrossed in this love, they pass by this. They will also feel some challenges, some pain, but it, it becomes insignificant for them. So this is the second very great thing that we need to inculcate the love of Allah Ta'ala for, that this will become the great solace for us in dunya, and it will take us to the heights of akhirat. The third thing is that insan, this is his nature, he lives on motivation. If a person didn't have the motivation of his salary, he won't go to work. What are you going to work for? It's the salary that motivates him, that now I must wake up early in the morning and get ready, and sometimes it's cold, and sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's raining, and sometimes it's shining, whatever it is, I have to go. Why? Because of the motivation. The person got his business, there's a motivation that it will generate the profit, and the profit then will come, will be able to do this and that and the other. That's the motivation. But if the person knew for sure, and he is seeing it that something is not happening here, this is business is declining, and he's running at a loss, one month, two months, three months, there's no drive left anymore. And people actually, they sink into a depression, because that motivation is all dead now. As a result, the person becomes despondent, the person becomes drawn into a shell. So the person runs on that motivation. The motivation is like the fuel in the tank. The tank runs dry and that car can't move now. You'll be able to maybe push it a little bit, roll it downhill, but then how long is it going to keep rolling? Then the slightest hill comes the other way around, the car is stuck. And this becomes a very big difficulty in life. Likewise, the love of Allah Ta'ala is the driving force and is the motivation. A person gets motivated by love. We already discussed the example of a mother, how she is ready to do whatever is necessary for the child. That love within her for the child motivates her to do it. She is driven by the love. This is the factor within that drives the person. So a person driven by love does things happily. People make big sacrifices very big sacrifices in dunya, in various things, they make big sacrifices. But those sacrifices are often for somebody that they have a very close attachment to. Somebody is working day and night, why? No, for the family. He wants to work hard for them, so that he can earn better, and give them more comforts and more luxuries. So it's out of the love for his family. If he didn't have love for them, he won't do anything. So the love is driving him, the motivating factor. So, to the extent that the love of Allah Ta'ala will be deep in the heart, that will be the motivating factor that will drive a person towards righteousness. Not as a burden. Not out of fear that there will be the whoop will get cracked on me. No. Out of love. And that becomes a very, very enjoyable situation for him. Then to wake up in the dead of night to perform salah becomes a very enjoyable thing. It doesn't become a burden. To wake up and perform the Fajr Salah on time in summer, early summer day or cold winter's morning, wherever it is, becomes very and not just easy, enjoyable. The person looks and waits for it. To sit down and recite the Quran Sharif, that love motivates the person to do it. 
So these are the things that become, and the whole deen becomes easy when a person has developed this, when a person has acquired this love of Allah Ta'ala, this now motivates a person and makes a person move forward in order to get even closer to Allah wa Ta'ala. So these are the things that we also now have to acquire this love of Allah Ta'ala, that to the extent we have acquired this love of Allah Ta'ala, to that extent we will be able to move forward and do whatever is required of deen without difficulty. There are some incidents mentioned in Ihya Ulum al-Deen, Imam Ghazali Rahmatullahi about those who had truly acquired the love of Allah Ta'ala. There are many, many incidents there. But there is one incident about a woman, in fact two incidents about women. One is about Zunnun Misri Rahimahullah. He was making tawaf and he overheard somebody in a very, very, uh, like a very deep voice, something filled with grief almost. And the person, he realized, is holding on to the ghilaf of the Kaaba Sharif and is beseeching Allah wa Ta'ala. It's a lengthy incident, but just to get to the crux of it, in the cause of that, he realizes some woman, and it is actually her pangs of love for Allah Ta'ala that is making her beg him in this manner, and she is talking to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, you are aware of my secrets, and I have been concealing the secret, meaning the secret of the love that I have for you, I have been concealing it, but now my physical condition is also exposing the secret of mine, and how long am I going to be able to conceal this? And then she went on like this, and in between she said, Ya Allah, due to the love you have for me, you forgive me. So Zunun Misir Ali heard this, and he turned to her, he, he was taken aback by the statement, that this is not right to say it in this manner. He said to her, can't you think of it the other way around? Ya Allah, due to the love I have for you, Due to that, forgive me. Because now he realized from the couplets he was saying before that, that this is somebody deeply engrossed in the love of Allah Ta'ala. But this statement he found was not correct. So he sort of reprimanded her or reproached her that this is not the way to say it. You should say it the other way around. What you know of Allah Ta'ala's love for you? You love Allah Ta'ala well and good, but what you know of Allah Ta'ala's love for you? So she turned around and retorted to him that be away, you don't know what you are saying. And then she quoted the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif that Allah Ta'ala says that فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِي اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ That if people turn away from Allah Ta'ala, they reneege, Allah Ta'ala has no need of them. Allah Ta'ala will bring another nation. Who will be this nation? Allah Ta'ala says فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِي اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ Allah will love them and they will love Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala mentioned His own love first and they love second. In other words, what she was getting at is that I love Allah Ta'ala, it is due to His love for me. Otherwise, I can't love Him also. It is His grace. So, Zunnum Nisi heard this and he realized that she is somebody on another level and he accepted this correction. But this is the type of personality that she became as a result of this engrossment in the love of Allah Ta'ala. Then there is another incident, one very pious person Muhammad bin Mu'az rahimahullah, this is Imam Ghazali rahmatullah in in his kitab, he says that a very pious lady by the name of Shawana, she once mentioned to him that she saw a dream, her sister had passed away, and she now sees her sister on a very, very, the most, uh, the best camel that she ever saw, but that camel too is flying ahead, and she can see that this is Jannat, and this sister of hers is moving on in Jannat. So now in this dream, 
and these dreams are something to take as a lesson, Allah Ta'ala makes this apparent to people to inspire them, to drive them forward. In this dream she's talking to her sister and she's saying that obviously you recognize me as your sister, I'm your sister and we are related obviously, we are sisters. So make dua that I also come and join up with you. So the sister who is now already, the sister had passed away, who she's seeing in Jannat now in the dream, she says to her that, look, your time is not up yet. Meaning you still have time in dunya. So you're still going to have to work. But then in that she says to her, in the dream, that you make everything subservient to the love of Allah Ta'ala. Now she's giving her the lesson, that you want to come and join me? You make the love of everything else subservient to the love of Allah Ta'ala. And this will become the means of you coming and joining me. So these people, mashallah, they worked hard in dunya to acquire the love of Allah Ta'ala and in this way they came close to Allah Ta'ala and acquired this great position in the akhirat. Now the issue is, we talk about this love of Allah Ta'ala, how are we going to acquire it? Where is it found? What is it going to be that's going to bring this love of Allah Ta'ala in our lives? So, Alhamdulillah, every mu'min, every mu'mina, this love of Allah Ta'ala is there. The very fact that there's Iman, that is itself the proof that there's love of Allah Ta'ala. But sometimes because of whatever our actions are, whatever our circumstances are, the environment that we put ourselves in, etc., this love of Allah Ta'ala becomes very, very uh, dominated by all the other things. It's like a small little ember that's there. But now if that ember is fanned, then the life, the, the fire comes alive again. And then that small ember starts slowly glowing and then it becomes a bigger fire and then one day it can even become a raging inferno. But the issue is first we have to fan it. And we will fan it, then inshallah it will come alive. Now what is it to fan it? Now, this is a cycle. When a person fans it with these amal, that love of Allah Ta'ala comes alive. When the love of Allah Ta'ala comes alive, these amal the person gets more engrossed in. Out of the love of Allah Ta'ala. So first it is sometimes just out of making sure that a person does what is necessary without shirking in whatever is compulsory etc is done for that purpose and it is done in order to try and fan this flame of love but when a person keeps fanning it with these amal these very amal then grow and that further fans this love of Allah Ta'ala so these are the things that we have to engage ourselves in and this love of Allah Ta'ala then will be ignited in our hearts and as we just uh, discuss briefly the various benefits that come to us by means of the love of Allah Ta'ala in our lives. The first thing that we have to acquire or to, to, to do to fan this love of Allah Ta'ala is that we don't shirk in any of the obligations of deen. All the faraiz and then together with the faraiz on the next level are the wajibat, the sunnat mu'akkada. This in itself fans the flame of that love. Now a person shirks in this, then he's going to now deaden that flame. So this is a very important thing that we don't ever shirk in this. In the hadith Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says that وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ أَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّ افْتَرَدْتُ عَلَيْهِ That a person doesn't come closer to me with anything than that which I have made compulsory upon him. Now that, Allah Ta'ala is saying that وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ 
a person doesn't come closer to me with anything that is more beloved to me than what I have made compulsory upon him, more beloved to me. So in other words, a person who does this will become beloved to Allah Ta'ala because those actions are more beloved to Allah Ta'ala. So that's the first point. Our faraiz, wajibat, sunnat muakkada that must never get shirked. Unfortunately, due to minor things, people just abandon sometimes that salah for that time. People just go to bed without the intention to wake up in time for salah. What a major situation this is. It's like uh, some employer, the employee comes to know, he deliberately already pre-planned, I am going to shirk in all my responsibilities. Uh, he was given certain tasks, certain duties, this is your work. And he came there pre-planned that I am going to mess up everything. I am not going to do it right. Can we imagine what a situation that will be? The employer will fire him at the same time. That he got proof of it now because this person wrote a message to some friend for example and that message came around that you had already planned you are going to come here and not do anything. Now, what? Nobody, somebody is made, they employed a maid and they overheard the maid saying to somebody that I got a job here and uh, she's talking to a friend I got a job here but my intention is not to fulfill the tasks my intention is to keep doing everything haywire now if we overheard that that I employed this maid I have already offered her wonderful salary and all the perks and everything and she already decided that she is not going to do the work will anybody tolerate that? Can we imagine Allah Ta'ala is our creator, our sustainer, our nourisher and we already plan, I'm not going to perform Fajr tomorrow, I'm going to just sleep through it, Nauzubillah. I'm going, to, I'm going for that wedding, so now Zuhar or Isha or Maghrib or something is on the way, uh, that unfortunately the way we think about it is in the way, so well, I'll just skip it, Nauzubillah. What a disaster, what a tragedy. Whereas Allah Ta'ala created us, Allah Ta'ala is sustaining us, Allah is nourishing us. If Allah Ta'ala takes away that health, takes away that life, what can we do? So now Allah Ta'ala blessed us with all this and we just intend to disobey Him. This is a major disaster. So the first thing is never to shirk in the obligations of deen. Then together with the obligations of deen, that is not everything. Certain things on the level of a purely a a contract. Now there's an employer and employee, so there's a contract. Now the time is up, so that maid says, my time is up, I'm going. So now, if you want me to do anything more, you're going to have to pay me more. And that too, I'll decide if I want to do it or not. I'll say, no, I don't want to do overtime, I'm going home. So that's an employment. You do your job, you take your salary and you carry on. There's no love in that employment. That is just something being done as a task and that's it. So even somebody is working correctly, working properly, not shirking in their responsibilities, so you'll be happy with the person for that, but there's going to be no relationship, because this person is not prepared to do anything extra, let alone for free, even for a, for payment, you're not ready to do anything for extra. So that's where it stops, it's a very, very formalized relationship. There's no informality there, and forget love is far away. But somebody else is ready to go out of their way. Every now and again they are ready to do whatever you want. At all times you call in the person and that maid is ready, whatever it is. You are offering her then something, 
He said, no, don't worry, you've done so much for me, I don't need this extra. At any time you want anything, call me. Don't hesitate. I am ready anytime. I am just a call away. Now, can you imagine some maid if this is her response? Don't worry, any time of the night too, you want me to do something, just the child is needing some attention or whatever, I am ready, you call me out. I'll come. What kind of relationship will they be with this kind of maid? Who is ready to go out of her way and then she's saying also, don't worry, I don't need anything in return. You've done enough for me already. The chances are that that maid sometimes might become even more closer than sometimes some other family members. A person might be more closer to the maid than some other family members that this family member always gives me some uphill but this maid is ready to do so much for me. Can we imagine now in the light of this kind of thing that can we be content that we did our faraiz so we've done everything to start off with what is the quality of the faraiz now if that maid is doing her work but she's doing it slapdash so to start off with she is doing it slapdash and even if she's fulfilling the time completing all the work but the quality of the work is not right you are always finding some shortcomings here and there so though you will be, you'll, you'll overlook it, you'll say fine, doesn't matter, overlook it, but you're not going to be happy. That happiness is not going to be there. So number one, the same applies to our faraiz, that the quality, what quality can we claim? Our quality is so weak, so poor. Allah forbid, it is sometimes so deliberately slapdash. We rush in the last moment to perform the salah, and then we are done with it in no time. So the quality is already so low. Now, on top of that, we are not prepared to do anything extra. So, how are we going to get closer to Allah Ta'ala? So, therefore, what is important is now the extras, which are not really extras in reality. It is all essential. But, in a sense, it's extra that it is not something that's farz like salah is farz. Not on that note, like the first salah. But, it's all necessary for us. Among these things, the most important things are, among the most important things, not necessarily in the sequence, but these are the things that we have to now start applying ourselves in. One is tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. Every day that we can be reciting Qur'an Sharif, we must recite Qur'an Sharif. This must never be neglected whenever we can be reciting Qur'an Sharif. This is the kalam of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And in one hadith Sharif, it's a hadith Qudsi also, where Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ الْعِبَادُ إِلَى اللَّهِ Or Nabi Salaam says, Ibadu That the servants of Allah Ta'ala cannot get greater nearness to Allah Ta'ala than that which came from Allah Ta'ala. Which came from Allah Ta'ala refers to the Quran Sharif, meaning the direct kalam of Allah Ta'ala. Somebody receives a letter from someone very close to them, a message from somebody very, very close and very dear to them. How many times they read that letter sometimes? Whereas that letter you read it once, twice is done. Or that message once, twice is done. But from time to time they keep opening that message out and they are reading it because it gives them some kind of comfort, some joy. The kalam of Allah Ta'ala, this Allah Ta'ala's kalam, His message of love for His bandas and servants, how many times we should be reading this? So daily, this should be our part of our ma'mool and our daily practice that there must be time for Qur'an Sharif. Unfortunately, there is time to read everything. And what not? Those are very harmful things. Much of it is very harmful, detrimental. And how much of time goes on reading social media messages and then following up the gossip of the time, which is something that's terribly harmful for us. 
We should be far away from these things. But because of those things in our lives, the time for Qur'an Sharif is gone. There is no space for Qur'an Sharif. There is no space for the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. So if we stop those things, we will find space for these things. So one is still out of the Qur'an Sharif, we should make this a part of our daily, daily program. Then the nawafil. We should not be just content with performing our faraiz. The faraiz, sunnat al-mu'akkada, the sunnat al mu'akkada, that we must be making. There is no question about leaving the faraiz or wajibat or sunnat al-mu'akkada. That is obvious. Together with that, the sunnat al mu'akkada as well. For example, the four asr, before, the four rakats, sunnat before asr. This is sunnat al mu'akkada, but in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Rahimallahu rajulan salla qabla al-asri arba'an. May Allah Ta'ala have mercy on the person who performed four rakats before the asr. Now four rakats before the asr salah, that is sunnat al-ghair muqqada, but what a tremendous benefit, Rahimallahu rajulan. Nabi Islam dua, may Allah Ta'ala shower his rahmat on such a person. Or don't we want that rahmat? But now we have to do that extra. So we will make that little bit effort perform that four rakats and we will get this great benefit from us as well. Then similarly, the nawafil, together with the sunnah ghair muakkada, the nawafil as well. Some nawafil, we perhaps can not manage everything, but we can manage something. Sometimes many people have the need, we may call it, that after fajr, they want to still take another nap and a rest. Fine. But, then by the time we wake up, it is Ishraq time. So, two rakat salah of Ishraq. It's two rakat also. But what's the reward of this? The person gets the reward as mentioned in the hadith of Tirmidhi Sharif. The reward of one hajj and one umrah. And then Nabi Islam three times says, Tammatin, Tammatin, Tammatin. A perfect hajj and umrah. Now, we will go for hajj and umrah inshallah. But we, how close to perfection can we even imagine coming? We are so deficient, our amal are so deficient, filled with so much of weaknesses. But by performing these two rakats of Ishraq, this is the reward. Now how long it takes to just make wudu? And, and often now by the time the person wakes up from the nap, they're going to go and wash up. So you just complete the wudu and perform the two rakats and then we get busy with whatever our chores are. But we started the day in what a wonderful manner that now we took the reward of one complete and perfect hajj and one umrah as well. Now this is the nawafil. One is that maid, she is saying that, uh, you know what, I am ready to do the overtime, but you pay me for it. We will be too happy about that also. Because we need the help, we are ready to pay, but she is ready to do the extra work. Here, this overtime is not even really overtime. This is still under time. But the reward of it is beyond our imagination. Can we imagine that somebody says to their maid, okay, you work one hour extra, and for that one hour extra, then I will give you one year's salary. And you say, we don't know whether this person, something is wrong with this person mentally, or what happened to her, maybe her sugar has gone high or something. All the things will come to our mind about something being impossible here. Now, that is something which might be impossible for us in dunya, but Allah Ta'ala's treasures, there is no shortage in Allah Ta'ala's treasures. Allah Ta'ala is saying, you perform these two rakats and this is what I will give you. Now that too is still under time, but Allah Ta'ala is giving us such great rewards which we can't imagine. So, some nawafil, we should try, and a very simple 
together with that obviously the tahajjud salah we should try very very great ibadat and especially for the women folk is something actually very easy alhamdulillah many are very conscious and punctual with the fajr salah so we are going to wake up for fajr so for example subah sadiq is uh, at half past four if we wake up at quarter past four we'll end up making our getting ready for our salah we'll get time for two rakats tahajjud some time for dua and the fajr time you make our fajr and then you want to rest you rest so how simple it is the men would still have to wait for fajr salah in the masjid because salah with jama'ah is wajib but for the woman it's so simple and so easy that you got your tahajjud because you're going to wake up so you wake up a little earlier and one time in that 15-20 minutes add another 5-10 minutes so in 20-25 minutes the tahajjud got done some dua got done that is the very best time of dua as well and the most effective du'as are of that time and then the fajr salah time is fine that is done also so any case some tahajjud and if that is something still beyond us then with our isha salah after the two sunnads two rakats nafil with the niyat of qiyamul layl inshallah this too we will get the reward of tahajjud though the real tahajjud is in the late part of the night but this too will be some degree of that benefit and reward so we should try to do this as well then the other thing is the zikr of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala we should be having some part of our mamul as the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. When a person truly has love, then that love creates the situation where the person wants to keep talking of the beloved. Some people's love is their car. You'll hear how much they talk about it. That they'll talk about every finer detail about it. And then somebody's love is some other, whatever it is, the appliances or somebody else's, whatever Allah knows best you'll find that discussion coming anywhere and everywhere. So what a person loves somehow, that, that will creep in. Somebody's car is his now passion, then if somebody is talking about, uh, well, you know, that somebody has built one house somewhere, that house is, you know, that, that paint color is very unique. So in response to that, he say, yeah, I was just, you know, I was testing out my car when I was passing, they also saw it. Now that house they're talking about, but he had to bring his car in the picture, that while I was driving my car, I passed the house. Because that is how that thing is attached to him. So likewise, we will develop the love of Allah Ta'ala. One is we will fan the flames of this love with zikr. But when the love of Allah Ta'ala comes, the zikr will become natural. Then the person will want to continuously be remembering Allah Ta'ala. So one is the basic tasbihat and zikr, the istighfar at least hundred times, the very short formula of istighfar as well. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, deeply from the heart hundred times. At least one time, Sayyidul Istighfar, the virtue of Sayyidul Istighfar, Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anth till the end. It's a little bit lengthy, it's there in the Masnoon Dua Kitabs, we read it out from the Kitab, every day we look into the Kitab and read it, and in a short time, one week, two weeks, one month's time, without even trying to memorize it, it will be part of our memory. So, we recite the Sayyidul Istighfar, and the virtues of this are tremendous, the person passes away that day as a Shaheed, etc. So, in any case, Istighfar hundred times, then Durood Sharif on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa hundred times, starting off with Durood Ibrahim at least once, and then even the short formula of Durood Sharif sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with a lot of muhabbat, a lot of uh, concentration in the heart, a lot of muhabbat and azmat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then third kalima, if we recite the whole third kalima, subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, up to there also, that will be very excellent. Otherwise, at least, subhanallah, he will be hamdihi hundred times. At least this much. 
And then during the time of all, this is something we should try and dedicate time. We sit in one place with concentration and we make these tasbihat and naskar. Apart from that, while engaging our chores, while doing other things, from time to time, it might not be every moment obviously, for ourselves, from, from our position that is something we might not be able to manage, but every now and again, every now and again keep the tongue engaged in some zikr. Few times we said subhanallah, few times we said alhamdulillah, and then we carried on. After another ten minutes, we said la ilaha illallah, subhanallah, inni kuntum min al-zalimeen, a few times, three times, five times. After another ten minutes, la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim. Something or the other of the askar and tasbihat that should be on our tongue. And we will see what the differences this will make to our hearts. This is what fans the flame of the love of Allah Ta'ala. And when that flame has now ignited well, that will make the zikr natural. It will just become part of our life. Another very very important thing is, in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَخْفِلْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that say to them, if you love Allah Ta'ala, فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow me, follow Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So you will become beloved to Allah Ta'ala, you will have to follow the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. When you follow the beloved of Allah Ta'ala, we will become the beloved of Allah also and the beloved of His beloved also. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will inshallah then make sifarish for us and intercede on our behalf on the day of Qiyamah. So this brings us to the very important aspect of ittiba'i sunnat, of bringing a life sunnat in our life. So this is very simple day-to-day sunnat. There are so many things that we do as part of, just we go about it as part of daily life. But if we just do it consciously and correctly in the sunnah manner, we're going to pick up something, we're going to pick it up. We have to do it, we do it hundred times in the day. But we pick it up with the right hand consciously that for this kind of thing, Nabi Salaam would have used the right hand. Now how many times the person is going to pick up a spoon, pick up a knife, pick up uh, some item, food item, whatever it is. All these things are done with the right hand. Now imagine every day how many times just with that consciousness and picking up something of this nature which is part of cleanliness or part of daily work, not something as part of cleaning up some dirt or anything, then I must use the right hand. Now that consciousness of sunnat, now this is just one very simple thing and takes no effort, we are doing the same thing, we are not doing anything different but with that consciousness and just following it in the manner of sunnah and apart from that all the daily sunnats waking up from the time we wake up how to now start of the day Nabi Islam would rub the palms of his hand on his Mubarak eyes and recite the Masnoon Dua which Nabi Islam taught Alhamdulillahilladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhi nushur There are various ayat that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam decided at that time Then how to do the day-to-day things of life Person then goes to the bathroom How to enter, how to leave All this consciously with sunnah With the sunnah in mind Each thing is now making a person more beloved to Allah Ta'ala Because Allah Ta'ala loves the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu So that person who does this and follows the sunnah Becomes beloved to Allah Ta'ala so this is the very very important thing that we should start bringing alive and the sunnah will bring the light in our lives, will bring the light in our homes, let us bring the sunnah alive. To the extent that we bring the sunnah alive in our homes, to that extent there will be this great barakat in our homes. There are small, very very concise kitabs on sunnah, hundred sunnahs and various other compilations of this nature, daily read one sunnah to our family and encourage them. The next day we read a new one 
and revise the previous one. Just one, sometimes maybe the whole week we read two, three sunnahs only and kept on revising it. In this way, inshallah, in a short time, many sunnahs will come alive and keep encouraging one another to bring these sunnahs alive. Another aspect is pondering over the favors of Allah Ta'ala. In one hadith, Rasulullah Sallallahu says that Ahibullaha lima min ni'amihi Love Allah Ta'ala due to the favors that He bestows upon you. That the innumerable countless favors that Allah Ta'ala has bestowed upon you, then this, the demand of this is love. If somebody does us some favor, one day, two days, ten days, and they are doing things for us which we would have been at a serious difficulty if that was not done for us, can we imagine what attachment builds up with the person? There are some very elderly people who are in need of people assisting them, then now there's some child or some family member or somebody keeps coming to help out, keeps coming to do the basic things for them sometimes, keeps doing things which they could not manage without that help. You then sometimes talk to such people and they just can't stop singing the praises of that family member. One person, he lost his wife not long ago, elderly person, so every now and then when meet up with him, so often, very often his one grandson is with him. And without fail, every time that I will meet with him, he will repeatedly tell me, this grandson of mine makes a lot of khidmat of me, make dua for him. Now, his heart is gone out to him. Why? Because of that khidmat of that grandchild. Now, Allah Ta'ala saves upon us, that grandchild as much as he would have done and is doing, yet how much can he do? It is still limited. As much as he will do, it's still very limited. But what has Allah Ta'ala given us? Can we even count the benefits of one favor of all the na'mats of Allah Ta'ala? So now we should think about this. Give time for it. This is not something just, just by the way. Just as we give time to think about so many things, that pattern and this recipe and that, fine, all that is in its place. We need to do whatever we need to do, we'll do it. But to also dedicate some time to think about the greatness of Allah Ta'ala, think about His favors upon us and how much Allah Ta'ala has done for us and then also on the opposite end of that simultaneously think about what my life has been. On the one side Allah Ta'ala's ni'mats are pouring on me. What are my, how long is the list of my faults also? How disloyal I have been. Now this also will generate the love of Allah Ta'ala in our lives and in our hearts that we ponder over the favors of Allah Ta'ala. We should give dedicated time to this. Two minutes, three minutes. We sit down and ponder over the favors of Allah Ta'ala and keep making shukr upon this. Then obviously the very important thing is dua, that we keep making dua to Allah Ta'ala to grant us His love. As we understood from the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu made this dua, Allahumma rzukhni hubbak. He taught us this dua. Ya Allah, you give me, bless me, sustain me with your love. And in one dua, Nabi Sallallahu made the dua in these words, Allahumma rzukhni hubbak, wa hubba may yanfa'uni hubbuhu indak. Ya Allah, grant me your love, and the love of those whose love will benefit me by you. That Ya Allah, those people whose love will benefit me in your court. Grant me the love of such people. So in other words, good company. Those who are attached to Allah Ta'ala. We should be seeking the company of such people. Not just wanting to be with anyone and everyone because somebody is more exciting or whatever the case is. We should be seeking out good company, pious company. Then further in the same dua, Nabi Sallallahu says, Allahumma ma razaqtani mimma uhibbu. فَجْعَلُهُ قُوَّةً لِي فِيمَا تُحِبُّ Ya Allah, whatever I love which you have granted me. So Allah Ta'ala has granted us everything and many of these things we have 
also after a lot of asking, and we really are attached to it, Allah Ta'ala blessed us with it. Ya Allah, you make all these things which you have granted me, which I love, a strength for me to do that which you love. Allah Ta'ala granted us all his na'mas and bounties. Now that must get used to do that which Allah Ta'ala loves. And then further Nabi Islam says, Allahumma wa ma zawaita anni mimma uhibbu, faj'alhu faragham li fima tuhib. Ya Allah, whatever I loved, but you held back from me. This dunya, dunya we're not going to get everything as we want it. So many things we are desirous of, but Allah Ta'ala has withheld it out of His wisdom. Ya Allah, whatever I love, but you have withheld it from me, make this withholding a means of freedom for me to do that which you love. Because sometimes we are very desirous of something, but that then shackles us in such a way that we can't do what Allah Ta'ala loves. So we thought that this would be very good for me, but whereas that turned out in a different way, maybe we thought that it's still good because we got so much of engrossment in dunya out of it, but that became an obstacle in being. So this is the dua, Ya Allah, whatever I loved but you withheld it from me, make that withholding a means of me becoming freed for that which you love. Now, but the point again here is, repeatedly Nabi Islam is making this dua, Ya Allah, everything will lead to your muhabbat. You grant me your muhabbat, grant me the muhabbat of those who whose muhabbat will be beneficial for me in your court. Ya Allah, whatever you have blessed me with, let that become a means of doing that which you love. Whatever you have withheld from me, that must become a means of me being unoccupied for that which you love. All this must come back to the love of Allah wa ta'ala. When this will be done inshallah, then we will find that this will love will increase. And the last and final point is that to increase the love of Allah ta'ala out of his love, to abstain from that which he is displeased with. When a person truly loves someone, the parent's love is truly in the child's heart, he will never deliberately disobey them. And especially in their presence. In front of my father, I must just do this, impossible, I can't do it. Now, Allah Ta'ala is watching us all the time, out of his love, to abstain from what he has made haram, what he has forbidden. By doing this, sometimes there's a mujahada, but that mujahada really intensifies his love for Allah Ta'ala, in this way, a person's dunya also becomes a very pleasant place, and the akhirat, Allah Ta'ala's rewards are unlimited and beyond our imagination. May Allah Ta'ala bless us with this muhabbat and love, fill our hearts with this great and beautiful bounty of Allah Ta'ala, and make us among His true lovers. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللَّهُمَّ لَكَ الْحَمْدُ كُلُّهُ وَلَكَ الشُّكُرُ كُلُّهُ اللَّهُمَّ لَا نُحْسِيثَنَا عَلَيْكَ جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ارزقنا حبك وحب من يحبك والعمل الذي يبلغنا حبك اللهم اجعل حبك أحب إلينا من أنفسنا وأهلينا ومن الماء البارد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين الحمد لله